Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Any Grammar Story Podcast. I am your beautiful, sexy, black chocolate, five foot four, handsome of a man host, Braylon Williams. And this is another episode, but rather the final episode of the season three um, of Any Grammar Story Podcast. Um, if you're new to this podcast, this is a weekly podcast at least until 2024 now that I do about the Enneagram and how it is um, one of the best tools that is out there to aid in our self-development. All right. Um, so today's show is going to be a great one. But before we talk about what today is about, let me just tell you about what is happening in the land of Braylon Williams. So not much um, is new, but the biggest thing is that I am now fully moved off campus of Evans University and I am living in an apartment on the north side of town um, and it, which is so you might hear a lot of echo because there's not a lot of furniture in this house yet and so um, there's not a lot there's not much to catch the bouncing and stuff so I'm gonna try my best in post editing to cut down the uh, echo and everything but if you hear it echo that's why because it's pretty empty in this place um, but um, also um, at the time that I'm recording this don't know yet um, at the, t- the day that I'm recording this is actually Monday um, June 24th and I just went in for an interview with at Boyd Elementary so we'll see how that goes and I'll know about that uh, tomorrow um, so um, just follow me on social media if you want to know about how that goes because I probably will post something about it um but yeah that that's that's just kind of the two biggest things and hopefully to get a job in a school here in town or and also you know life off campus now and so those are the biggest things and and currently I like I said I'm in a new place and the way that I had to set up um, everything to record this episode. I'm currently standing while recording this episode, so it's, uh, it's going to be <laughs> um, a very energetic episode because somehow when I'm standing, I get more energy. I don't know how that works, but it is what it is. Um, all right, so. Alright, so about today's episode. Today's episode is going to be similar to last week's episode in the fact that it is another commentary episode. Um, but this time is going to be commentary on the interview I did with Jean Stevens. Um, and in that original episode, we talked about her book, What's Here Now, how to stop rehashing the past and rehearsing the future and start receiving the present. Um, so it was just a great, fun conversation that we had. Um, and today, I'm going to just use this episode to dive a little bit deeper into some of the things that we didn't get to talk about, some ideas that were brewing in my mind as we recorded this episode, but weren't able to touch on during the episode. But for those of you who may not know who Gene Stevens is or you haven't listened to that original episode, allow me to reintroduce her in a way. All right, so Gene Stevens is the founding and co-lead pastor of Soul City Church in Chicago. And this church is one of America's fastest growing urban churches. But prior to starting Soul City Church, Gene was on the pastoral staff at Willow Creek Community Church and North Point Community Church. And Jean is a sought-after speaker, leader, and writer, and her passion is to help people people wake up to their purpose as they pursue a life of wholehearted freedom. Jean lives in Chicago with her husband Jared and their two children. With that being said, let's just jump right into the episode. Hi. Hey. How are you doing? How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Just today. We got some snow in Missouri, so it's been a pretty chill day. No, nothing's going yes. on the roads. Are... Same, same. It's snowing here in Chicago, so. Uh, I don't mind being off of school, but I hate snow. <laughs> no. Where do you go to school? Evangel University. Okay. In Springfield. It's five years. I'm so ready to be done. I bet you are. I bet you are. 
That's awesome. I'm so grateful that you invited me to be a part of the podcast. Oh, yes. I thank you for agreeing to it because I am just over the moon. I read your book and I was like, all right, this has got to happen. Hmm. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad that it was an encouragement to you. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm going to talk a little bit more about why I like it so much um, as we go on. But um, Great, great. Let, let's just get to it again. Thank you for being okay. here. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I have a heart. I don't know how long your show is. Um, how long do you tend to like it to be? I try to keep it under 45, no more than an hour, really. I've been run over. Okay. So an hour to okay, 45 great. minutes to an hour is where I try to keep it. So. Great. Yeah, I have a hard stop um, in 45 minutes for another meeting. All right. So we should be, hopefully, there's a lot I want to ask. So if we don't, though, we just have to schedule another time because there I you go. It's be a good time. So. Part, part two. Part two. I always continue the conversations. Well, I like to do, why stop it? Always continuing. I love it. So, I love it. Let's just start off with some simple stuff. Anything exciting happened recently in life for you? Mm. Well, uh, anything exciting happening in our lives? Yes, we uh, just welcomed a, uh, we have two kids. Um, my husband, Jarrett, and I, we've been married for about uh, uh, 26 years. We have two high school kids. Uh, Elijah is a junior. Gigi is a freshman. And we just added another uh, high schooler to our family. Right. Um, long story short, uh, a kid that needed a home needed a family and um yeah. we felt called and compelled by god um and oh. so yeah we uh just became a family of five and um yeah he's a sophomore and he's a great kid and um so all the adjustments oh yeah that's very exciting i love kids i'm actually a substitute teacher in my free time so i understand oh, cool. the heart for people taking in yes those who don't have yes. the means to do it themselves so yeah 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 it's it's a heavy burden to take care of kids but somebody's got to do it <laughs> i'm lucky enough i'm a, just a substitute so i can you know take care of them and send them back to actual teachers later on that's right that's right <laughs> don't have to worry, worry about grace or anything um yeah so what what about your enneagram journey how did you discover the enneagram and what were some of your initial thoughts and feelings about it yeah. Oh man, my Enneagram journey has been a while uh, of a journey. Uh, it started a number of years ago. A friend of mine first told me about it and um, my friend Doug, and he was like, Hey, have you heard about this thing called the Enneagram? And I'm like, what are you talking about? No. And he's like, it's kind of like a, a better understanding of all of the different ways in which people see life you, you know he kind of broke it down and um explained that it's it's a bit of a personality assessment but it's so much more it's actually a tool to uh lead people towards transformation once they better understand their type um so i was super curious uh because i'm a learner and i'm um, always interested in um you know m most people get interested in enneagram because they're um curious about their favorite topic which is themselves um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so they want to learn more about themselves. All right, I just want to interject for a moment right here and to talk about um, something that she says. She said that most people um, get involved in Enneagram because they want to know more about themselves. Um, they they want to talk about themselves more. And I want to piggyback off that idea because I found out about the Enneagram because of this trendy thing that has been happening with the Enneagram over the past couple five or so years now and I'm thankful that because of this trend of the Enneagram I have found out about it but um, I, I believe it is Suzanne Stubill who says I'll be happy when this when the trendy Enneagram is gone and yes I will be happy when the trendy Enneagram is gone because um, it, it, it just seems so superficial like people are just getting into it for conversation starters, for um, for um, to you know say I match this vibe of this TV show character, this movie character, to really just you know have fun with it. 
and the Enneagram can be fun, but I think it's much more than that. And so I think once the trendy Enneagram is gone away, we'll really be able to really dig deep into what the Enneagram has to offer us as a uh, as a um, society. And um, so I was super curious, and he said, read all of the types, and the one, like the 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 downside, like the, the vice, whichever number uh, you read that vice, you read that shadow side and you're like, ugh, that's so me. But I don't want anyone to know that that's yeah. me. He's like, he's like, that's your number. Oh yeah. <laughs> he's like, it's, it's better than any assessment you take. Uh, so I, I read about all the nine types. Um, and the first time I read the eight, I was like, yep, there is. There's no doubt about it. I am a challenger. Oh, that's that is good. I am an eight too, so I know the heart of eights is like for me, yes. especially is vulnerability. I hate I've been working on it, but I hate it. It's like uh, yeah. and then also the idea of control, which I'm gonna tell you about something that bug me with your book about that idea but we'll get to that later <laughs> so but it was a great book yeah, and I love yeah. it like I said and I mm. just I believe that it was great timing that I found you because I actually heard you first on Hypology podcast with Ian Morgan Crone mm. that's where I heard yeah. you um, and so yeah. I was listening to that as I was working one day and I was like this is good because you said something in there and you said this in your book too it was talking about how most of us really aren't here and you start realizing that you were on the door of exhaustion, tiredness, and you mm -hmm. felt like the work of God was deteriorating the work of God in you. As I reflect back on first hearing that um, quote on Typology Podcast, ever since then, from that moment, that was at like, like 8 o'clock at night on a Saturday night in like January or probably even actually November and um, but ever since I first heard that quote it has served as a constant reminder for me to be intentional about taking moments of rest every time I feel like I'm not resting enough the first thing that I think of in the snap of a finger is that quote am I on the brink of exhaustion am I allowing the work of God to deteriorate the work of God in me and so it's just all it's like it's honestly that quote is like a broken record player in my head now ever since i heard it i'm not just wanting to and i hope it i hope something like that is the same for you it may be about rest it may be about something else it may be about um being intentional about your relationships but i hope you have a quote or a moment of where you've listened to something or you've read something or somebody told you something that is just on constant repeat in your head that serves as a reminder for you to take a moment and to really be intentional about doing something uh, and so when you said that i was like one that is totally me like this is mm. a reflection of my current life and then the next thing was like gotta get her on the podcast <laughs> so hmm. and here we are <laughs> so it's been a I think that was back in the summer when that was when okay. I first heard that so I was like yeah I've, I've been yeah very anxious to get you here so here we are mm. and so I'm gonna uh, try to use the well, time very you. wisely you know absolutely and you know eights have uh, a notorious way of getting themselves into settings where they exhaust themselves um oh, yes. <laughs> you know eights eights learn that being weak is dangerous and they can't trust anyone without uh overwhelming evidence of loyalty that's one of the descriptors of an eight and one of the ways that we uh let our shadow side emerge is uh that that idea of being weak and, and making it synonymous with weakness is, is dangerous. I should never be weak. I should never um, pause. And yet it, it leads us into a life of exhaustion. Yes. And, um, and that, that is not at all what God invited, right? He invited us to live in rhythm and that actually in our weakness, he's made strong. And so it's it's been a journey for me of understanding that actually my weakness and my my areas of tendency to overwork myself uh, actually are an invitation to pause to be still. Mm -hmm.
I am so grateful for everyone's support. Without you guys, this podcast would not be possible. But if you're not already subscribed to Enneagram Restored Podcast, don't forget to follow and subscribe to Enneagram Restored Podcast to be notified of each new episode that is released. And to be present uh, because it is, is the gift of this now moment where we actually get to experience all of the gift of life. Oh, yes. So glad you said that because when I heard you on that podcast, I was actually, I'm a part of a worship team at James River Church um, out of Ozark, Missouri, and it's a mega church. We have four campuses, and I've been doing it four years next month, and ever since I've been on the team, I've been every service up there singing, and I was on a sabbatical for the first time in ever during this time when I heard you, and it's like, it's so true because it was during that time when I was doing nothing but going to work and then going back home, and it's like, there's nothing for me to do, but that's when I found the most power when there was no nothing mm. on my calendar. It was just me, yeah. what was there. So that's, yeah. that's a good word. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. Next thing I want to know is, what was pastoral work ministry always your go-to career? Was that like mm. in the back of your brain from a little kid to the time you actually did it? Or was there something else that you wanted to do? And you just kind of moved into calling pastoral work. Hmm. Yeah, not at all. Uh, I, n- <laughs> I never would have uh, imagined myself in ministry. Uh, I grew up uh, really drawn to the performing arts. And so all things musical theater and acting and singing and, and everything, you know, that kind of went around that realm. And it wasn't until a uh, mentor in my life uh, when I was in high school actually said, hey, you know that you're a leader, right? And I was like, no. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, you're, you're a leader. Like people follow you. And um, I think that God just might want to do something with that in your life. And it was the first time that I had somebody point out that spiritual gift of leadership in my life and that that it was there for a reason and an intention that God had given it to me and that what God deposits, God wants to then see fruit come from it, right? Yeah. That that there was, there was supposed to be something to come from that gift in my life. And so, yeah, it was not at all what I thought I was going to do or wanted to do, but slowly but surely, um, I I began to really listen to those promptings. I began to put myself in settings where my gifts could get used for ministry, and eventually, I was like, "Wait, I, I think that guy might be right. I think that mentor might be right. I think that um, all of these experiences have been pre- preparing yeah. me." to use um, these gifts for, for God's glory in, um, in a ministry setting. So you found all these gifts and you used them. And I suspect as an eight, you, you just kept on using them. And I, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, that, that's probably what led to that moment of, all right, I've got to learn how to be present. And that was like realizing that you've used all your gifts too much and you need to take out time. Would you say that would be like, kind of like that catalyst where you starting the journey of learning presentness? Yeah, you know, I would say that I have always been a person that is, um, had a, a, a full capacity. And so I, I love to live life to the fullest. And um, I like the word yes, more than I like the word no. Oh, yes, totally. uh, it just feels way better. And so I love to say yes to opportunities and uh, to believe that more is possible in the 24 hour day that we've been allotted. Right. Um, and I think that the, the process of a regular, yes, a diet of yes, without any kind of good restriction is what led to, uh, some burnout and some exhaustion Mm -hmm. for me. And, and I think what I really then began to realize was that, uh, you can live a life uh, all the way to the full. I mean, that's the invitation in John 10, 10, right? I've come to give life and life to the full life in abundance. Um, but the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And so often that killing, stealing, and destroying 
um, we are covert partners in it, right? Oh, by yes. by not having any limitations on ourselves and seeing the gift of limitations, by not practicing the Sabbath, by not living in healthy rhythm, by not saying no to things that really are not our our best offering back to God. And so, yeah, I just began to realize that I was I was kind of living um, on a, a constant go diet and, uh, it was not of service to me and, and living that way then keeps us from the present moment. And, and I was realizing that I was here, I was going through the motions, but I wasn't really here. Yes. I was somewhere else in my mind, right? Um, uh, my body was in the present moment, but my mind and my heart were either rehashing the past or rehearsing the future. They were going over all the things that, um, had happened, or they were anticipating all the things that might happen out in the future. And, and it's just not a way to live in presence. Um, it, it's a way to, to miss this now moment. It's a way to miss the people that God's put in our lives. And it's a way to miss um, being present to ourselves and to God. Yeah. I don't know what it feels like for you, but for me, like when I am present and I'm like right there and not focused on the future, not even thinking about the past, it almost feels like I'm in a movie. Like it's that sweet mm -hmm. moment of you're in a rose yeah. field, like your dream moment. It's like, yeah, it feels unreal. Would you say that's the same yeah. thing for you too? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there's something quite powerful about living in the present moment. It doesn't have to be, um, I mean, it sure is great when it's picturesque like that, right? When it's yeah. idyllic and, it, and we can see ourselves in a, in a field of roses, right? Or, or, all is well. But I think the really powerful thing is that you can be present even in the midst of pain. You can be present in the midst of difficulty. You can, and, and that's especially the deep hard work because whenever we're faced with pain or we're faced with difficulty or we're faced with a circumstance that maybe we would not have written into our story, it's an opportunity to uh, be with uh, what is. Being present in pain is possibly the toughest thing to do. Almost to me, it feels like, it seems like it's impossible. Almost, uh, I've done it, uh, but but it, it, it's it's hard to keep a consistency when it comes to staying present in pain because it's you're always in your mind and in, in your heart are always wanting something different, uh, whether it's the pain of a relationship not working out, the pain of not not getting that dream job or, or the, the death of a loved one. It, 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 there's so many instances of where being present in pain is so hard to do. Um, but to recognize that there's even more power in that, I love how Jean says it, um, it is that moment of where we say, it doesn't matter if I'm happy, it doesn't matter if I'm in pain, it doesn't matter if I'm in despair, it doesn't matter if I'm in anguish, as long as I can remain present, there's gonna be something beneficial that comes out of all the moments of life. And I, I, I kinda of think back to um, one of my, what has, what really became my uh, favorite um, book of the Bible during the pandemic is Job. The, the, he's a man who had had it all but like in the blink of an eye lost it all as well but even then he, he didn't try to think he wasn't thinking about what he had or what he could have had in the future but he just remained present in it all those around him made fun of him but he kept his eyes on what god has said he kept his mind focused on what god was speaking to him and he, he, he didn't worry about what he's lost of course, he had sorrow because he lost his family and his well-being, but he remained present in his pain. And because of that, what he received in the end, once the pain was over, was seven times greater than what he had to begin with. Um, and it, it, specifically, there's Job 2.10, uh, I'm gonna paraphrase, it says, should we not accept the bad as well as the good from God? Um, that has become the stamp verse that I do on everything now. Uh, 
thing's not working out. Should I not accept this bad thing as I accept it? The same way I accept the good things that has happened in life. There is so much to be learned from staying present in pain. And I'm not saying that it's an easy thing to do. I'll be the first to attest that it sucks. It hurts. But it is so beneficial when you learn how to stay present in it and, and to really just see the moment for what it is. Instead of what was or the what ifs. Oh, yeah. It's, it's truly consenting to reality and all of the spiritual life is consenting to what is being in what is with god i had a experience uh last week i was i was at a um retreat center and they had some like high ropes courses and they had this um exercise called out on a lamb and it was essentially a log that was 25 feet up in the air you were belayed into somebody that was down on the ground but there was no um, handrail to get across. It was literally just walking that 25 feet in the air across the, the log, um, truly being out on a limb. And I did it. And boy, if that isn't an exercise for the present moment, I don't know what is. <laughs> I was like, uh, it's not gonna be of any service to me if I try to rehash the past or rehearse the future. I need to be in this now moment up here on this log or I am going to fall. And it was so powerful to um, just step by step by step, be aware of my breath, be aware of the inhale, the exhale, that um, there was nowhere else to be. There was no other problem to solve. All I had to do was be in that moment with, with myself and with yeah. God. And it was just such a reminder to me that what's here now um, is, is such an unlocking question of experiencing the gift of the present moment. Oh, so good. And I, I'm trying to think how you can trademark that because like the log, you, that's got to be a part of it. You should have put that in the book. <laughs> that, that was amazing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you think about the future, you think about the past, you're going to fall off that log. So That's exactly, that's exactly so, true. But I, like I said, I, I love your book for the most part. There's one chapter I didn't really like, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, it, was, <laughs> it was still a good chapter. It just, it talked I, to, it caught I me love, out too much. So, I love an honest, uh, honest review. So, um, was honestly, like, I try to read three chapters of a book within an hour and a half because that's about as long as I can focus but your book yeah. was one of the books where like I just had to force myself to put it down and not read it all at one time mm. <laughs> it was mm. that good I'm like really no you got to put this down you gotta <laughs> if you keep reading you're gonna lose focus I'm like no I'm not like I want to read the rest mm. of this book tonight it was just that mm -hmm. good and so on page 132 you were talking about how you're part of group and I want to read this quote so we can talk about it a little bit you write I didn't know any of the other members and the leader was an acquaintance from many years ago. I felt conflicted about what I wanted from this group. One part of me wanted this group to continue to feed the automatic part of me that wanted to impress and inspire others. But my authentic self was craving real and wanted this group to enfold and hold me just as I was. I was hungry for a circle where there would be no charades, no masks, and no pretending. I wanted the scaffolding holding me together to come down and I wanted to drink in the nourishment of being known. While I was hoping to experience this kind of vulnerability with the group, I was also aware of the risk and cost associated with it. The risk of not being impressive, the risk of being ordinary, the risk of not being received and loved for who I am. What if they really saw me and didn't want to keep seeing me? What if they thought I mm. wasn't smart enough, hadn't accomplished enough, hadn't accrued enough wealth and didn't offer enough value to the group? That was, gosh, probably the most relatable part for me in that book. Mm. It was like powerful yeah. moment. I just had, mm. just had to sit because it's powerful to see that. And so mm. I want to yeah. go deep into that, but let's just start off at the surface level. What is the difference between the automatic self and the authentic self? Ever since this interview, I have kind of been trying to differentiate within myself my automatic and my authentic self and it, it's been a journey it's been 
kind of hard. And, and the best way, and we, we talk about this, but I, I kind of want to um, say, say how I've been divide, defining it lately. Um, but the best way that I've been defining it is what what the automatic stuff is. What am I putting off? What, what 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 is the press version of myself? And the authentic self is what am I scared to let happen? Think about that for a moment. What am I scared to let happen? For me, one of the biggest things is I'm scared to really be seen for who I am. And so I'm putting off these different personas, this different image, and I admit um, it's not the best way to live. But there's a craving that I want that's deep within me that I simply cannot have because I'm afraid to receive what it takes to have that craving satisfied. And I, and I talk a little bit more about this um, later in this little part that we talk about. And it's because I'm not okay with the risk that is associated with truly being known. But one thing I've learned and one thing I am learning to be okay with is allowing myself to be afraid to satisfy the craving that my soul desires. Yeah. Yeah, I, lo I love your question. And I, um, I remember writing that section and I, I remember, um, you know, recounting the experience of, of joining that group where um, everything in me wanted everything in me wanted to live in my deepest authentic self but I was so practiced in the automatic self um I was so practiced in um like I write and I think all humans are uh in the charades in the masks in the being impressive in the pretending um but we all desire um to be seen and I I think I even write later in that chapter Hiding all the time is a terrible way to live. It keeps you from the present and from living as your true, authentic self. And, you know, um, the automatic self, I, I, I write about the, the different cycle. You know, when, when you're living in the automatic self, in, in some ways, you're, you're looking to receive acceptance through your achievements. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going to do something. Hopefully people are going to, uh, say, well done, they're going to receive me for that achievement. And I'm going to feel significant because of it. I, it's going to make me feel like I'm I'm important. And, and then what happens when that starts to wane, when that starts to decrease just ever so slightly, it's like, well, I want to get that feeling back. I want to sustain that feeling of achievement and significance. So how do I sustain that strength so that I feel accepted again? Yeah. That's the pathway of the automatic self. It's where the ego gets developed, right? It's where personas get developed. Uh, but the, the beautiful part of the authentic self, the true self, uh, the, the person that we fully are when, when we are all the way um, whole with God, with ourselves, is we actually start from a place of acceptance. We start from a place of not because of anything that I've done, not because of anything that I'm gonna do, not because of the color of my hair or the grades next to my name or the achievements that I have performed in this life, but because of who I am, son, daughter of God, I am accepted. And that acceptance is what I actually find strength from. That's what sustains me. That's what so fuels good. me. That's what gives me hope, right? And when I have that, sustaining strength that's where i find my significance that's that's where i know this is what i am called to do and to be in this life and that's where i actually achieve and live on purpose with god and so it's actually a really beautiful thing to see the reverse cycle um that it starts with acceptance when we live in that cycle of grace from our authentic 
selves. That is so good. I am so grateful for everyone's support. Without you guys, this podcast would not be possible. But if you're not already subscribed to Enneagram Restored Podcast, don't forget to follow and subscribe Enneagram Restored Podcast to be notified of each new episode that is released. You know, we see people portray characters on the screen all the time, but I think the greatest screenplay we see is just reality. Humans being Mm -hmm. different from who they truly are and I am yeah. be the first to say I am guilty of that <laughs> like I yeah. have so much yeah. of my true self because I, I think either it's not valuable at the moment or if I show my true self people will see me as weak because I'm the person who mm-hmm. people come to for advice for a life I'm like I yeah. can't I yeah. feel like I can't be the person who needs advice when I give the advice and it is yeah. that again authentic self and being vulnerable enough to say hey we are human beings and first mm-hmm. and foremost we are childs of the living god daughters mm-hmm. sons of him and so that's just so well said yeah um, yeah and i would say you know the interesting thing is is that um we all think that what people are drawn to is perfection but they're uh, not uh, what we're actually drawn to is imperfection because in imperfection, we see authentic vulnerability. And, and we're more drawn to, oh, you're just like me. Imperfect, figuring it out, in need of grace. Um, and, and we're more compelled to step into relationship with somebody that's imperfect versus somebody that presents themselves as perfect. That's good. But we don't think we are. <laughs> A lot of times we always right, think that we're, right. we're like, we've got to find that perfect person who's no flaws, you know, um, that That's perfect right. friend who, right. shows, mm-hmm. who has everything mm-hmm. together. Keep up with the Jeffersons, mm-hmm. not Jeffersons, mm-hmm. but um, we get the saying, keep up with the, um, it, it, I forget what it's saying, but it's like, you got to keep up with the person who has the most things, who life looks put together the most. So that, that's, that's good. I never thought of it, but yeah. I like how you said yeah. that. So, like I said, I, I've been in college for five years. Um, February marks my fourth year of being on worship team at James River Church. Um, so I've made different friend groups throughout both college and church and been with different people. And I get a comment all the time of people saying, Braylon, I don't really know who you are. And mm. the first time it somebody said it to me, I was like, yes, you do. I am a podcaster. I'm an interior designer. I mm. do this at evangel i'm on worship team at james river i'm like how do you not know who i am when i broadcast it all mm. the time i got to start thinking i was like do they really know me these are just titles these are yeah. things i like mm-hmm. to do and so now every time somebody says i'm like you know what you don't know me you're not wrong yeah. <laughs> um, and hopefully yeah. one day you can know me but you gotta work on that yeah so yeah you know the um the virtue. So every Enneagram number has a vice and a virtue. And, you know, it's, it's who we are in the light and who we are in the dark. And uh, the eight, when they're in the light are vulnerable and innocent. That's our virtue, innocence. And when I think about innocence, I actually think about just a vulnerable child that is willing to, you know, let themselves fully be seen exactly for who they are. And so Anytime an eight chooses vulnerability, anytime an eight chooses to let themselves be seen and, and to be vulnerable is to let uh, parts of ourselves that we yes. don't want to be seen, seen, right? Um, it's, is growth for the eight. That is, that is them walking in the light. So you having uh, the right people in your world that can regularly say, Raylan, I'm getting to know more and more of who you are. Uh, that's a sign of growth. That's a sign of transformation. But a thing for me, and I suspect it would be a thing for a lot of other people too, is um, cognitively, I'm like, all right, the cost and risk that you that you talk about of being known, I'm okay with in my mind. <laughs> but yeah, of course, practice, of course. It's like, oh, nope, nope. Let's go back to just putting on this charade of just being right, right, yeah. public figure. Yeah. And so- yeah. How do you encourage yourself to stay vulnerable and not to pretend? Mm, yeah, I think for me, um, some of that 
work is, um, and, and even in the book, I, I give this little graph of what it looks like to be in the automatic self and then what it looks like to be in the authentic self. And I kind of even um, give descriptions, right? The thoughts, the actions, and the words of the automatic self, and then the thoughts, actions, and words of the authentic self. And so anytime I notice any one of those things, like, for example, um, you know, the the automatic self uh, really is um, looking to be right. You know, anytime I'm really looking to be right about something, I'm like, hmm, what's going on here? Are, are you really present in this now moment? Or is there something from the past that you're trying to prove or something out in the future that you're trying to prove and you're doing it through righteousness, your own righteousness, right? You, you desperately want to be right. So I pay attention to that thought. An action maybe um, could be anytime I'm, I'm feeling overwhelmed, right? That's, a, that's an indicator to me that I'm not in this now moment. Anxiety, overwhelmedness, um, obsessing about things in the future. Worry is living in a not yet that's worse than your now. It's the very definition of worry. There's some kind of not yet that hasn't happened yet, but I'm making it even worse in my mind than my now moment, right? right. Um, that's usually an indicator to me that I'm not being present or, or then words. Whenever I find myself saying like things like I should or I can't, it's hard, it's not my fault, th things like that. Those are all indicators to me of the automatic self that I'm, that I'm not really here in this now moment. But when I can breathe, when I am experiencing peace, um, it's like uh, this mistake that occurred is an opportunity for learning. So I'm, I'm, I'm not looking at it through the lens of shame. I'm not looking through the lens of blame. I'm actually looking through the lens of curiosity and learning. Um, I realize I'm grounded in this now moment. I'm actually receiving the gift of even this mistake that I, I don't want anyone to know about it. There must be something for me to learn in it. Um, actions like um, I'm going to just have uh, appreciation for yeah. others and for what they bring or what they don't bring into my life. Instead of wanting to change them or adjust them or have them be different, I'm going to just bring appreciation into this relationship. Words like um, how can I grow? What can I learn? Um, you know, I'm choosing to do this versus um, I should do this. Uh, I, I try to turn should into I can, like e even something as simple as like, I should do the laundry too. I can, I, I, I get to do the laundry. And then there's not obligation, right? There, there's not that force. There's, there's actually healthy responsibility and choosing into this now moment. Um, those are some little signs of me knowing, okay, I'm, I'm really here and I'm, and I'm, I'm practicing presence. So Jane, it has... I want you to pay attention to some of the vocabulary that Jean just talked about. She said indicators, choosing, and obligation. Go back, rewind that a couple of times because those are those are some key points there. What indicators do you have for yourself to know? Oh wait, I'm not in this present moment. For me, an indicator that I have is honestly. Am I tired? Um, but I, I've come to realize that if I'm feeling sleepy, if I'm feeling like I need to just go to bed, that's an indicator that I've been too mentally exhausted because I've either been thinking about the future or been thinking about the past too much or I've been doing a combination of both too much. Indicator for me. But the thing that I really like about what she says is about choosing versus obligation. This is something that, it did, ever since I've been on a worship team at James River, I've heard, but it really didn't hit home until I talked with Jean and, and she said this. We, we have to say it's like, we don't have to be on the stage every Sunday. We choose to be because there's the blessing that comes from it because that choosing allows us to receive something that we wouldn't have received had we not made that choice so i just want to encourage you go back listen to that little part again and really 
take note of those vocabularies that she just said. Um, and well, we're, we're about to get a little bit funny here. We're talking about laundry. Ooh, that's good. I might have to steal that laundry one because ooh, when it comes to getting laundry done, nobody likes to do it, it right? <laughs> like I've got clothes I washed last week still in the basket because I haven't put them away. Put them away. So I'm like, <laughs> I can't put them away. I'm gonna start saying it. Yeah, Hope it'll get done. Totally. So. <laughs> it's just a, it's a different way of viewing it, right? It's a totally different lens. Should is um, you know it, it's a it's a feeling of you've done something wrong. I should. Mm, I good. Uh, you know, and there's some condemnation in that. Um, versus I can, I get to, I choose to, um, this is a privilege. There's people in the world that don't get to do laundry. I get to do laundry and, and I'm going to be a good steward of, of these things, you know, and, and it's just, yeah. it's a small, it's a small way to shift an, a activity that we all do, uh, which is laundry. That's so good. So good. So like I said, I like the entire book, but there is one chapter chapter 10 <laughs> <laughs> that I probably say I was not my favorite probably the least favorite honestly because well when I got to it and I saw the title which is waiting and control waiting rooms I was like this is going to be a good chapter then I start reading I was like <laughs> I don't like this chapter at all yep. it's calling me out too yep. much <laughs> so like because there I don't like attaching the word hate to a lot of things but if there's two things I hate the most it's waiting and not having control of over life yep. common symptom yep. of aches across the board is you know we have yep. to have control mm -hmm. and if we don't we feel like again we're weak or yeah we yeah. are too invulnerable um and so you talked about a process and there with the releasing and the responding and renewing mm -hmm. um yeah i should have wrote this down so i could t talk about it a little bit here but Kind of talk about that process a little bit, and then if you would, any advice that you would give for somebody who might be stuck in one of the phases of that process? Because yeah. I find myself stuck yeah. in releasing a lot of times where I give it to God, but then I'm like, mm -hmm. I know you can take care of it, but I've got to take it back. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I write in the book that when God invites us to wait, He also invites us to release our will. And, um, you know, it's, it's part of the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray your will be done. Yeah. And um, I'm really good at genie's will be done. Um, oh. I'm really good at saying to God, Hey, this is my, this is my will. This is what I'd like you to do. Could you just fall in line with this? But that's not what we're taught to pray, right? We're taught to release. And so much of, of the spiritual life with God is to consent to reality and to surrender. And oh. anytime, Anytime we are clutching, grabbing, forcing, um, you know, wrapping our fingers around, this is how life must go. It is almost undoubtedly an invitation that there is something that you are holding on to that needs to be released. Um, and so that first process when it comes to waiting and control is just releasing. And, and sometimes it's um, just naming and getting clear on what are the things that I'm holding on to? Um, what is in a tight grip right now? And just naming them. Um, you don't even need to start with releasing them. Some of us just need to start with naming them and getting clear and conscious about what is it that I'm holding on to. Um, and, and then from there uh, is, is the action of responding. Um, and, and I write this I use this little quote from Eugene Peterson that says, the assumption of spirituality is that always God is doing something before I know it. So the task is not to get God to do something I think needs to be done, but to become aware of what God is doing so that I can respond to it and participate and take the light in it. Now, this is extra hard for the eight because we like to make things happen. Oh yeah. But what this, what this step is, is it's going, God's already at work. God's already at work. My invitation is to join where God is already at work. It's not to make it all happen. It's not to force it all together. It's to respond to where the Holy Spirit is already 
moving. And then the ongoing to this regular interview again to do this commentary, really, um, I'm reminded of the song and uh, relation to what Jean just said about that being at work by Ty Trivet. If he did it before, um, of, he'll do it again. Uh, is what the what lyrics is working, say. What is working? What isn't working? Um, you know, uh, God wants us to come as we are, not come polished. Within the song by Ty Trivet says, if he did before, and so much of the process of renewal, we have to be able to bring the fullness of ourselves so that God can renew us. And so, yeah, I write about how those three really work with one Something for you to hang on to as well. It's, I like when I read that. It was kind of hard to understand first when I read it. Had to read it. Had to go back and think about it because. I think the reason why it was hard to understand is because I just don't like giving up control. So I was like, you know what? Maybe yeah. I understand what it's saying. I just don't want to accept it. And that's what this entire yeah. chapter was for me. It's like, I understood everything, yeah. but like Raylan just did not want to accept it because it was so true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think the reason that I called it waiting in control is because anytime, anytime we're holding on to control, God's most, um, consistent methods to help us release that control is to invite us to wait. It's all throughout the scriptures, right? David talked about waiting on the Lord over and over and over again. And uh, spiritual waiting is not uh, a lack of activity. In fact, spiritual waiting is one of the most active things that occurs. Um, But it's hard for those of us that are um, generators of of motion, right? Yeah, you know, we have this mentality as ace, get it done. And, you know, if we mm-hmm. have to wait, it's like, why well, wait when I know I have the full capabilities That's of right. doing it myself? You know, That's I, right. I can That's work right. something out to make the money come in. I can take another job. I yeah. can do this. Yeah. I, I, I mm-hmm. can make more time in the schedule to have more social feelings, social right. feelings with my friends, right. you know. Uh, it's, yeah, and productivity isn't bad. Productivity is 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 good right it's um it's taking this one precious life and and living it to the fullest um but it is also um when we use that as a way to avoid participating in what god is really inviting us to do that's what we have to pay attention to i think that's a key point where like you said we have to pay attention to that it's like are we using our productivity to actually be productive or are we using it to avoid life avoid presentness so that's a good word um mm. so I kind of skipped ahead in my notes a little bit, but I want to go back to um what um some scripture, your go-to scripture, you talked about one that invites you to um be present, but do you have more scripture that invites you to be present? Mm. Yeah. I often will go to Proverbs three, um, because it's an active opportunity to trust in the Lord with all your heart. And, you know, the, the questions are around what's here now are, um, what am I sensing in my body? What am I feeling in my heart? What am I thinking in my mind? And when I ask myself those questions, you know, I, I pay attention to the answers. It pulls me back into this now moment. And the reason I like to use trust in the Lord with all your heart Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your steps. It really does also walk you through the question, what's your now, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. What's going on in my heart? Like, is is my heart afraid? Um, Am I I feeling fear? Am I feeling nervous? Am I feeling anxious? Am I feeling excited? Am I feeling hopeful, right? What's What's here in my heart? Um, don't lean on your own understanding, right? That's that's all about your mind. What what are you thinking? What are you processing? What are you yeah. rolling over again and again and again? What conversation did you have with somebody last week that you're still replaying, right? Or that happened uh, not just last week, but last year or two years ago, right? Um, and so what's your mind doing from a like understanding uh, perspective and how can you have God renew your mind right the scriptures talk about renewing our minds and so how can i not just come to whatever it is that i'm contemplating with my understanding but god give me your understanding um and you will direct my steps and and from there it's like what am i sensing in my body 
where is God calling me to move? Where is God calling me to participate in his his movement in my life? And so that's a go-to passage for me that I love to come back to, uh, especially because somebody just like you that uh, struggles with control, trust is the letting go of control. Um, You know, just like when I walked across that uh, log, that story I, I shared earlier, you know, it was a it was a real trust that I can do this. I'm, I'm going to trust one that I'm belayed into somebody else. And so if I fall from 25 feet, they, they will step in, but I'm going to trust that if I go slowly, if all I do is concentrate on my steps, one in front of the other, uh, that I, I have what is needed to move forward. You know, um, Faith is being hopeful of what we cannot see. Trust is being hopeful of what we cannot see. And most of us, we like insurance instead of assurance. Oh, yes. uh, but when we, when we live in assurance, we're walking in trust that God sees all that we don't see um, and is for us and is with us and is guiding us step by step. Oh, that's so good insurance versus assurance. I'm going to start using that. that I like that. <laughs> Don't get insurance, get assurance. That That's should be right. like Geico's That's new right. line. Save 15% more go. on insurance. <laughs> so, uh, well, we're kind of getting close to time. So um, we talked about a lot already. Um, but what I want to know, is there anything that we have not talked about that you want to talk about? Mm, yeah, thanks so much. You know, I just would invite anyone that's listening um, to be reminded that it is possible to be present. It is possible. You know, we have so many things that are vying for our attention. Um, probably one of the biggest is these little gadgets oh, yes. I'm holding at my cell phone, right? Um, and I think that so many of us let those phones be the boss of us instead of us being the boss of our phones. <laughs> um, you know, you, you can, <laughs> your phone is not your boss. Um, you are the boss of your phone. You are the boss of your time. You are the boss of what you let in. Um, and learning how to live in presence is possible, but it takes practice. Um, you know, the, the spiritual life that we're invited into is a praxis life. We are to practice being in the presence of God. And, you know, the, the beautiful thing about God's presence is that it's always available. There, oh, yes. There's no like special place that we need to go to. There, there's no special thing that we need to conjure God's presence. God's presence is always available. We're just the ones that aren't always available to God's presence. Oh, yeah. And I would say to anyone that's listening, uh, God is wherever you are. He is with you and for you. And oftentimes you're the one that's not there and being present and so i would encourage you to pause to um to rest to just ask yourself that question what's here now what am i feeling in my heart what am i thinking in my mind what am i sensing in my body and those three questions are a, an invitation to return to this now moment um, it's an invitation to experience peace we cannot experience the peace of god without practicing the presence of god I just want to take these last few moments to just echo what Gene is saying about asking ourselves these questions of what's here now. What am I feeling in my body? What am I thinking in my mind? What am I sensing in my feelings? You you know, I have, ever since reading this book and doing this podcast episode with Gene, I have constantly asked myself the question of, what's here now it has been a thing that has grounded me the most recently i mean i first read a book um in the summer of last year and ever since reading that book at least two times a day i've have asked myself the question what's here now it never fails that i don't reflect on that question um even so that these past couple of episodes Leading up to the end of the season, I've installed a new segment called What's Here Now, a quick meditation of where we just together think about what's here now. 
it is such an unlocking question. And I just want to echo what Jean said real quick and everything she said this entire episode, but specifically that of asking the question, what's here now? Um, is so beneficial. It will unlock so much stuff for you if you ask yourself this question. And I don't know a person that isn't looking for some more peace in their life. Um, I think all of us oh, yeah. want some more peace. Especially and those nines out there. Yep, right? <laughs> so, Absolutely. Um, yeah. This has been great. I know we're getting close to time. So I just want, I'm definitely going to figure out more questions to put together because we're going to have to do this again someday. <laughs> um, so I'm mm. definitely going to be working real hard on that soon. Uh, but just cut some rapid fire questions that I want to ask you before we go. Um, what the first one is, what does the Enneagram mean to you? Mm, yeah, the Enneagram to me, I said it earlier, it's a tool for transformation. It's a tool to better understand myself, to better understand um, the people that God's put in my life. And it's a, it's a tool for growth. Uh, it's not a tool to just go, well, I'm an eight. So, you know, you just better deal with the fact that I like control. It's, it's an opportunity actually for me to transform and to pay attention to how might control shift in my life. Oh, that's so good. That's, that's the entire tagline of my podcast. At the end of every episode, <laughs> I say the Enneagram does not define you, but it brings restoration. It helps reshape your thinking yeah. and habits. So that is just I like that. Uh, and that's the reason why I yeah. started this podcast, because when I discovered the Enneagram, it was that thing people saying, all right, this is who I am. Just deal with it. I'm like, I don't think that's yeah. what it is. So, um, no, no. The next question, uh, if you go back in time, you, what would you tell the younger you? Mm, that's a great question. I would say um, it's all going to be okay. Ooh. It's going to be okay. You're okay. God's at work. Um, yeah, enjoy, enjoy the ride. Even the pain, even the pain is here to teach you and to grow you and to transform you. That's a word right there. Pain transforms. Next mm -hmm. sermon. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, you know, I I would just say, um, you know, I ask people talk to tell me about the most transforming seasons or moments of your life. Do you know what people always talk about? painful moments mm -hmm. they talk about painful moments it's it's a um it's a it's a ripe curriculum where we are um our eyes and our ears and our hearts are wide open to god what are you doing it's true because i mean even looking in the bible to david when he was hidden in the cave all those years mm -hmm. trying to not be killed by king saul he was transformed yeah. by that and look how he came out yeah Joe, absolutely the greatest example absolutely lost everything totally and got totally. seven times more what he had so that's um, right that's right one thing you hope to accomplish in the next three months mm, i'm starting to work on my next book proposal so i'm hoping to get that done all right <laughs> so that's a big goal i <laughs> don't know what that's like at all because i don't I've published some journals, but I've done it self-published. So it's been a little bit easier. So I've heard, but I've heard that book publishing proposals are, can be a pain though. So I'll be praying for you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, and last question, um, because I've been binge watching a lot of TV shows lately. Um, what is a binge worthy TV series you've been watching? Mm, uh, my husband and I just started one called The Rest of Us. Oh. Um, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, it's called the rest of us. And basically there's kind of like a interesting, um, pandemic that, um, very different from the one that we all just walked <laughs> through with COVID, um, that ends up, um, you know, destroying so many lives. And yet there's a handful of people that survived and how do they live through this thing? So it's a really interesting show. Uh, I'm gonna have to check it out. Is it Netflix? I think it's Netflix. Netflix, okay. I'm gonna check it out. I think I've heard of it, but check it out, be sure. I'm always yeah, just into started. new shows. Um, I, yeah. My favorite show recently has been Abbott Elementary. So it's a, Oh, I'll have to, I've heard about that. I'll have to watch that. To me, it's, I've never really watched a lot of The Office, but it seems like a elementary school version of The Office. So okay. it's okay. very That's funny. Great. So um, That's awesome. That's good. Well, I think that's all the time we have 
all things we've had time for today. So like I said, though, I had to schedule another one because this was good. A lot mm, of good stuff said. Thank so. you. Thank you. It's such a joy to be on the show. And thanks for asking me. Thank you for being here. Well, everybody, not only is that it for this episode of Any Grammar Store Podcast, but that is it for season three of Any Grammar Store Podcast. It has been a fun ride, a fun time. We've talked about the subtypes. We've had conversations with some great women of faith, great, great women of the Enneagram. Um, but there's a whole lot more to come in 2024 when season four releases. Um, so it's going to be a great time in the future. Um, before we go though, I want to say again, thank you to Jean for being on the show. Um, it was a great time talking to you. We're going to do it again someday, hopefully next season. If not, we're just going to have to do a special episode. Um, but if you have not, um, read Jean's book, What's Here Now, How to Stop Rehashing the Past and Rehearsing the Future and Start Receiving the Present, I really want to urge you to get a copy of it now and read it it is going to benefit you so much you're going to learn and take away so much from just reading this book um and i'm going to put a link in the show notes to purchase it from amazon um and I, i'm going to ask you that if you purchase it from amazon please use the link in the show notes because that is an affiliate link and so uh, i do get a little bit of money off that purchase to help fund this podcast when you do that so um, just don't go to Amazon and buy it. Don't just put it in your shopping cart on Amazon. But if you go to Amazon specifically, use that link to help build this podcast too. Um, but you can also find this book at Barnes & Noble, Walmart, and pretty much wherever you can find books. But wherever you get it from, read it ASAP. It's going to benefit you so much. Um, and also in the show notes, I'm going to put a link to Jean's website and to her Instagram. Be sure to check out her website and to follow her on Instagram. Um, I know she would appreciate that. Um, and thank you for listening to this part two of the season three finale. But also thank you for listening to season three, season two, and season one of any grammar store podcast it has been a blast and until i see you again in 2024 i want you to remember that the enneagram doesn't define you but it does bring restoration it helps reshape your thinking and habits